In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Reverend Dr. Wilde Gaffney has given us an interesting collection of texts uh, yet again. And the good news that we proclaim today from these texts is this. That right in the middle of a world fighting over scarce resources, believing there's not enough to go around, Jesus has quietly but surely established a Eucharistic empire of abundance where what is given away always returns and what is shared is never lost. Beloved, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven by learning the ways of this Eucharistic empire, trusting God to provide for all of our needs as we share with one another. Amen. Over the past few Sundays, our Old Testament texts have been focusing on vignettes from the life of King David. And here, uh, we come to the end of that story, very near the end of the story. This is the last one that we'll read together on Sundays. And as we've been talking about, it's a deeply tragic story. Um, And now we're nearing the end of that story. David's old. He can't stay warm. His servants find a beautiful virgin, Abishag, to add to his harem in a desperate attempt to revitalize the old king who doesn't seem to be paying attention to what's happening in his kingdom anymore. But it doesn't really work. (laughs) Uh, King David seems to have lost his appetite for women and for ruling. A rival decides to take advantage of this by setting himself up as the new king, and David takes no notice. He's not tracking threats to his legacy and his kingdom anymore. His focus seems to be solely on dying. And so Nathan and Bathsheba have to take matters into their own hands to try to secure the kingdom for Solomon, Bathsheba's son. They hatch this plan to help David understand the gravity of the situation and to make the moves necessary to install Solomon as king because Adonijah has declared himself king and David doesn't seem to be, he seems to be checked out. It's like an episode of Game of Thrones, isn't it? Political intrigue, people making moves, violence on the horizon. But David seems checked out of the game, interestingly. And I don't know, the text doesn't say why. He obviously does install Solomon as king. Um, but that doesn't fix it, <laughs> does it? Uh, if you know the rest of the story, what's in the future is exile, violence, division. So perhaps David's disillusioned by the way that his life has turned out. I don't know, largely because of his own choices. Perhaps David's starting to doubt whether the violence that established his kingship can actually bring about the promises of God. Again, we don't know. I remember when Queen Elizabeth died, uh, being surprised by the anger and animosity expressed by peoples from previously colonized nations of England. I think I realize that I'm like a lot of Americans, um, that I tend to idealize and romanticize monarchy, right? It looks cute, right? They've got all the funny outfits and there's princesses, like it's, there's jewels and there's funny customs and we all, we think of it as quite quaint. And I was reminded when I, from people from Ireland and various countries in Africa, were saying like, good riddance. I was like, oh, I had forgotten what a brutal thing monarchy is. 
Monarchy is the result of domination, exploitation. It's a brutal, oppressive system of government that demands constant vigilance and ruthlessness to maintain. This is what Nathan and Bathsheba were concerned. David wasn't keeping up his end of the bargain. You got to be king. You got to be ruthless with these people who are coming to try to take your throne. But the people who'd been on the underside of that brutality reminded us when the queen died of the ugly truth about monarchy. And David's monarchy and the British monarchy, they both have, they have some similarities. They both believe in a world of scarce resources, believing there's not enough to go around, and so you'd better use whatever leverage you have right now to get as much as you can for yourself, because if you don't, someone else definitely will. So you've got to hustle, you've got to scrap for every good thing in this world, and you've got to stay vigilant or someone's going to take it from you. It's the logic that runs our world. And it seems like common sense to a lot of us. But it's the logic behind almost every horrible thing that happens in the world, including the stuff in the current news cycle, the horrors in Gaza right now, the war profiteering that has already begun because of the horrors of Gaza, the growing fascist movement that's taken over one of our two major political parties, scapegoating queer people, threatening the rights of women, people of color, all in the name of Jesus the lack of affordable housing in our city, the obscene gap between the richest and the poorest in the world. All of these issues, all of these problems, all of these terrible things, they all have one thing in common. We can trace them to this logic, this mindset, this way of being in the world that destroys the world, that grabs hold of our fear and conscripts us into its service and dominates our imagination so that even if we hate it, we don't see any other way of living. But that's why it's such good news today, friends, that right in the middle of this monopoly on our imagination, this illusion of scarcity, Jesus has quietly but surely established a Eucharistic empire of abundance, where what is given away always returns and what is shared is never lost. Beloved, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven today by learning the ways of this Eucharistic empire trusting God to provide for all of our needs as we learn to share with one another. And this is what Jesus proclaims in our gospel passage for today. It's a contrast to the chaos of, the, of, the, of David's empire. It's in the context Jesus is speaking here in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. He's giving examples of the kind of alternative lifestyle that's made possible for the community of disciples who are learning to live in the abundant economy of God's empire. And in this passage, he turns, to, he turns his attention to something that occupies all of our attention. How do I secure myself in this world? How do I stay safe? The logic of this world tells us that to stay safe, you've got to store up treasures upon the earth, accumulating, hoarding, competing, exploiting, because resources are scarce and there's not going to be enough to go around. So you better get yours. But Jesus tells us it's foolish and futile to do this because all the possessions you accumulate will either rot or rust or maybe get stolen. It's not actually as secure as it promises. 
Plus, we don't have a time to go into this, but our passage in James also tells us that it's unjust. It connects the accumulation of wealth to practices of injustice like wage theft and proclaims God's judgment on all of it. And so Jesus is saying, don't invest in that system because God's judgment is on that system and it won't do you any good anyway. Instead, be smart. Jesus is giving investment advice here. He's saying, be smart. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven that, can, that are eternally secure. Nobody can steal it from you. How do we do that? How do we store up these treasures in heaven that can never be taken and that grow and multiply as they're shared? What amazingness is this? Basil the Great, fourth century theologian, put it this way. If you want storehouses... You have them in the stomachs of the poor. That's what it means to store up treasure in heaven. And Jesus sums up this teaching by saying you can't serve two masters because eventually one's going to require something that goes against the other's wishes. And thus you cannot serve both God and wealth. And that word wealth there is the, is the word mammon, which is a personification of a whole system. We did a whole series on this back in Lent of 2022. You can go back and listen to it about Jesus talking about mammon. He personifies it as, an, as a rival God to uh, the God who he named as Father and calls us to name as Father. That's the name of this logic, the logic of the world, this way of being in the world that destroys the world that we've been talking about today. So Jesus says, don't be obsessively anxious about getting your basic needs met what you will eat or drink or wear because life is so much more than acquiring the basic necessities. And this way of being in the world always ends in ruin. And I think it's worth saying here that a lot of us have some toxic shame maybe around Jesus' commandment here to not be anxious because a lot of us are like, well, does that mean every time I'm anxious, Jesus is condemning me? No, I'll just say that categorically. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not condemning us for the anxiety that we feel living in the world that we have. Jesus is talking here about an excessive preoccupation with securing one's place in the world, where that it dominates our actions and our commitments and defines our identity and our way of life. It's different from the anxiety that a lot of us struggle with. So don't hear Jesus condemning you here, beloved. He's not. But he is advising us to not give in to that anxiety. So the community of disciples is to practice something different. Instead of hoarding treasure on earth and obsessing about getting our basic needs met, we are to store up treasure in heaven by sharing with one another, sharing with those who need. Why? Because God provides for us. And we trust that we are participating in this new empire. Look at the birds, Jesus says. Bird watching is literally commanded by Jesus. Look at the birds. Your heavenly Father feeds them, and they don't store away in barns. And how much more significant are you than birds? You're so much more important to God than birds. And God takes care of birds, so why won't he take care of you? And that's the promise that we have that allows us into this Eucharistic economy of giving and receiving, of being generous with what we have. Another quote from Basil the Great. There's a reason they called him the great. 
has a lot of great quotes. <laughs> That's not the reason, but there's, there are good reasons. That's part of the reason, I should say. But he says this, he says, when wealth is scattered in the manner in which our Lord directed, it naturally returns. But when it is gathered, it naturally disperses. If you try to keep it, you will not have it. If you scatter it, you will not lose it. That's the upside-down economy of God's empire. And beloved, this is the heart of God's Eucharistic empire of abundance that Jesus has established right in the middle of our world, this world that's still fighting over resources and afraid that there's not enough to go around. Jesus is teaching us, beloved, that in God's empire, what is given away always returns and what is shared is never lost. In fact, it multiplies. You can't lose. It's a great investment strategy if you're looking for one. So, beloved, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven by learning the ways of this Eucharistic empire, trusting God to provide for our needs as we share with one another. So in what area of your life do you need this good news today, friends? Where do you sense the temptation to believe that there's not enough to go around? Where do you find it difficult to trust God's Eucharistic empire of abundance? Where do you find yourself afraid to let go of for fear of not having enough? Perhaps it's with your material possessions and resources, but maybe it's with your time, or maybe it's with your power or your privilege. You're afraid if that it, you lay it down, you're going to lose something. Someone else is going to take advantage of that. These concrete places in our lives, friends, are where we begin to participate in and expand, actually, God's Eucharistic empire. Trusting that what we share will grow and multiply and abound for all, including us. It'll come back to you. It will. You'll never lose what you share. This is how salvation happens, friends, for us and for the whole world. So in prayer now, let's offer these areas of our lives to God together and trust that God will provide for our needs as we learn to share with one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.